we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. When you are a light to yourself, you are a light to the world, because the world is you, and you are the world. Hello and welcome to episode 132 of Urgency of Change. Season 3 of the Krishnamurti podcast continues with the format of carefully chosen extracts from the philosopher's talks. Each weekly episode focuses on a theme explored by Krishnamurti, and the aim is to represent his different approaches to these universal topics. This week's theme is light. Upcoming themes are struggle, nothingness, and sleep and dreams. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK, which is also home to the Krishnamurti Retreat Centre. Situated in the beautiful countryside of the South Downs National Park, the Krishnamurti Centre offers quiet retreats for those wishing to inquire into themselves in light of Krishnamurti's teachings. Please visit krishnamurticentre.org.uk for more information. You can also find daily Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, which helps its visibility. This week's episode on light has five sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Madras, 1965, titled Observation and Light Go Together. To resolve a problem, one must see the problem very clearly. Clarity and observation are necessary. To observe, there must be clarity, artificial or sunlight. Outwardly, if you would see a leaf clearly, you need light. And you must visually observe it. That's fairly easy to observe a leaf objectively, given light, artificial or otherwise. But it becomes much more complex when we go inwardly. where one needs also clarity to observe. You may wish to observe the whole phenomena 
of, of human beings, his sorrows, his miseries, his everlasting conflict within himself, the griefs, the despairs, the frustrations, the mounting problems, not only mechanical but human. There too one needs clarity, which is light, to see this mechanism within the human being and to observe choice is not necessary. When you see something very clearly, as you do this microphone or that tree or your neighbour sitting next to you, when you see it very clearly, the choice is not necessary. Conflict is not necessary. What brings about conflict within and without is when we don't see clearly. when our prejudices, our nationalities, our peculiar tendencies and so on, so on, so on, all those block, block clarity, prevent light. And when there is light you can observe. So observation and light go together, otherwise you can't see. You can't see that, that tree, the trunk, the size of it, the nature of it, the curve of it, the beauty of it, the, the quality of it, unless there is a great deal of light. And, that, and your observation must be attentive. You may casually look at that trunk and pass it by, but if you would look at it, observe it in detail, carefully, with great deal of care and affection and tenderness, and only then you can observe. Then observation, in where observation with clarity needs no choice. I think this we must understand very clearly, because we are going to go into problems or issues that need great deal of observation, a great deal of detailed perception, seeing, listening, because We are always dealing with symptoms and like war is a symptom and we think we understand the symptoms if we can examine the cause or understand the cause. So between the symptom and the cause we everlastingly vacillate.
back and forth, not knowing what to do, how to deal with the cause, and if we know how to deal with the cause, the innumerable uh, blocks, innumerable um, influences prevent action. So our issue then becomes very simple, to see very clearly you need a great deal of light, and the light doesn't come except through observation. When you can see minutely every movement of your thought, of your feeling. And to see clearly there must be no conflict, no choice. Because we have to find a way of living in which war, inwardly or outwardly, is totally abolished and it is a strange fact, a phenomena, a country like this which has preached for millennia, don't hurt, don't kill, be gentle, be non-violent. And in this country there hasn't been one individual who stood for what he thinks is right, which is not to kill, to swim against the current, and if necessary go to prison and be shot. You think about it and you will see what an extraordinary thing it is, what, how much it reveals that not one of you said, I won't kill, not whispering to each other, what is wrong, oh, what is want to do, this and that, but to say it out and, if necessary, go to prison. Be shot, kill. For that you'll say, what will that solve? It solves nothing, but at least you are behaving. Your conduct then is, dicta- is dictated by affection, by love, not by an idea. Do think about this in your spare time. Why you have not stood for something which you have felt in your heart, which your scriptures, your culture, everything has said, be gentle, don't kill another. It indicates, does it not? that we live on with ideas and words 
But word or explanation is not the fact. The fact is there is conflict within and wars without. Two and a half wars every year in the recorded history of man. The first woman must have cried, and I hope this will be the last war, and we are still going on with wars. Here in the South you may feel perfectly safe, and let them fight it out in the North, or let them fight in Vietnam, let others weep, as long as you are safe. But it's your problem, human problem, how to bring about a change in the human mind and heart. So as we were saying, This problem, like every other problem, with its symptoms and causes, can never be solved unless we enter into a different area, a different field altogether. Do you understand? Inwardly, human beings have been caught in this wheel of everlasting suffering, conflict, misery, and have always tried to solve it in relation to the present, in relation to the social, environmental, religious conditions. And they've always dealt with symptoms or discovering the cause, resist the cause, do away with the cause, block the cause, which meant resistance. And when you resist, there is still conflict. So, problems which every human being has with their symptoms, with their causes, cannot be solved unless each human being moves to a, a different dimension altogether. a different inquiry. And what we propose to do is that we know there are wars, 
We know that as long as there are sovereign governments, uh, politicians, divisions of geographical divisions, armies, uh, nationalism, religious divisions, Islam, Hindu, this and that, you're, that is ever love. You're going to continue wars. Even though the computers are coming in to tell you, don't do it. It will no longer be profitable to kill somebody else for your country, for the computers. The electronic brains are going to dictate what you should and should not do. And so your activity is altogether different when a machine dictates. So our problem then is, is it possible to look and to live and to understand all these problems from a different area altogether, from a different field, from a different dimension? Please don't draw a conclusion, God, inner self, higher self, the Atman, you know, all that kind of words that have no meaning at all. Because you have, you have had these for thousands of years, all your scriptures have talked about. And yet you as a human being are in conflict, in misery, you are at war, outwardly and inwardly. The war inward is competition, greed, envy, trying to get more, the battle going on everlastingly within. And we try to answer these problems, these symptoms, by trying to find out their cause and hoping by some chance to resolve those causes. Communists' way of doing it, the socialist way of doing it, or the religious way of doing it, and so on. But the fact is, the human being has never except perhaps for one or two resolve the problem of conflict. And to understand this problem we must have a different mind. Not this stale, deadly mind. The mind is always active about symptoms, answering the symptoms, and, trying, and saying that it has resolved the problem. We need a new mind. A new mind that sees 
and it can only see when there is love. Which means a mind that is, has, has nowhere in it, conscious or unconscious, any residue of conflict. Because it is this conflict within that brings darkness. The second extract is from the first question and answer meeting at Brockwood Park in 1981, titled, Can I be a light to myself? If I cannot depend on anybody to heal my wounds, my state of psychological health, I have to look to myself. I cannot depend on anybody. Right? Or we, when I say that, am I frightened? Please inquire with me into this question. When I say to myself, I must stand alone, nobody can help me. Because I have realised, have been through various gurus, studied, prayed, meditated, at the end of it all I am what I have been when I started. So, logically, sanely, I observe that nobody can help me. It is not that I become cynical. It's a fact. And am I willing to stand alone? I need companionship. I need to talk to somebody. Hmm? But they're not going to become my gurus. They'll be my friends, but I'll talk about it. But I realise deeply I cannot depend. I depend on the postman, the milkman, the, and so on. But inwardly I am, there is no dependence. Because I realise also that attachment, which is to give oneself over to the Guru, that very attachment leads to corruption. Right? I don't know if you have noticed this. Any form of attachment to any person, to any belief, to any ideas, to any country and so on, must inevitably breed corruption. So I realise all that. So what am I to do? Can I be a light to myself? I am not a light to myself now. I am a confused entity, which are talking to that. Personally, I am not. I'm, we're talking about it together. 
I am confused entity. And you tell me, be a light to yourself. I understand that very well, log- logically, intellectually, but I am not light to myself, because I am terribly confused, deeply wounded, unhealthy psychologically. I am unbalanced, neurotic, romantic, sentimental. So I take all that in, I am all that. So what am I to do? To study myself, I must have a book about myself. And you are willing to give me that book. And I refuse that book, because you, what you write is myself. You are writing out of your confusion, like most psychiatrists. Sorry, oh, don't tell So, I have to have a mirror in which I can see myself. I hope you are following all this. I'm, we are talking together, it's a, we are investigating the question. I have to have a mirror in which I can see exactly what's going on. And no hardware store is going to supply that mirror. No shop, no good. You follow? I have pushed aside all that. So I must have a mirror in which I see myself accurately, without any distortion. What is that mirror? We are inquiring, please, I am not telling you, we are inquiring. That mirror is the relationship. Relationship with my neighbour or with my wife. That's the only relationship I have. In that relationship, which is the mirror, I see myself as I am, jealous, anxious, frightened, possessive, (coughs) attached, hurt, anxious. The more I'm anxious, the more I'm attached. My family becomes all-important. So in that whole relationship I begin to see myself accurately as I am. my sexual demands, my arrogance, my vanity, the ugliness of what I am, or assume that I am extraordinarily beautiful, but the mirror shows me I am not. 
So, what is shown in the mirror is far more important than what I should be. I wonder if you follow all this. Mirrors doesn't show me what I should be. That's the beauty of that mirror. That mirror shows me exactly what I am. I may turn away from it. I may escape from it, which we generally do. But if I want to, if I say to myself, nobody can help me, then I am looking at that mirror. And that mirror is showing what what is, not what should be. And perhaps I don't like what what is. And the psychologists and others say, express yourself as you are, immediately. And and again I depend. So I'm all the time aware that people are trying to brainwash me according to their own pattern, and I refuse. And I begin then to have a great deal of vitality, naturally. You I hope this is clear, is it? I see what is, not what should be, which is the future. I see exactly the present, the present of what I am in that mirror of relationship. That what I see is me. I am not different from what, I've, what is shown there. I don't know if you follow all this carefully. Dear, that which is seen is me. I am not different from that. That, that is clear, obviously. But my thought says, no, I am different from that. I won't accept that. That the that thought says I am different. So I must control it. I must shape it. So the battle begins. You understand? I hope you're following on. The battle begins, the struggle, the conflict, the, all the travail that goes on, when I refuse to acknowledge actually what is shown in the mirror. What is shown in the mirror is me. I am not different from that. That's a tremendous realization. Because thought is always saying you are different. You know more. 
and so on. So there is a division between that which is seen in the mirror and that which thought has accumulated in the past, which is the observer, the witness, the seer. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's sixth talk in Sanan, 1979, titled A Light Not Kindled at Another's Lamp. One of the main reasons for this ugliness in the world is that all of us, most human beings, probably 99%, are fragmented, broken up. And when one realizes this, that one is in a state of fragmentation, one is cognizant of it, aware without any choice. It is so. It is not that the speaker is imposing this on you, but it is a fact. And can that mind which is fragmented, can that heart which is also caught up in various romantic, emotional, sentimental, illusory nonsense, can that mind ever come to this, to find a solution that is everlasting? You understand my question, right? How shall we find it? Is it dependent on another? Follow this carefully. Can another, however much he may think he is Lord and this and the other, can another? lead you or help you to that. Please ask this question. Can a group, can a community, can a certain series of ideas, conclusions, help you to that. Or one must be a light to oneself.
not the light which has been kindled at the other at the other's lamp or candle or fire. You're following this? Please give your heart to understand all this. Which means not only your heart, your mind, your brain. Freedom is not acting according to whatever you like. That's too childish. Which is what's happening in the world. Because everybody is doing what they want. And any prevention, any restraint on that is considered lack of fulfilment. Therefore, permissiveness in every direction, religiously, socially, morally, is encouraged. And that this permissiveness, this is doing exactly what one likes, or saying, it appeals to me, I feel good in that, denies freedom. Not only freedom, we're talking psychologically, not freedom from law, from the policeman, from taxes, but freedom from the dependence on another, psychologically. Because the other, when he instructs you from his knowledge, from his position, from his status, that knowledge is still part of ignorance. Because ignorant knowledge can never be complete. Therefore, it's always part of ignorance. Right? I wonder if you see that. Of course. Because knowledge can never be whole, can never be complete totally. And therefore, in it, there is ignorance. When you realize that, when you see that, that you cannot possibly, in matters of the spirit, in the matters of the psyche, in the matters of deep religious inquiry, there is no dependence completely on anybody. That is freedom, with its responsibility to be a light to oneself. Are you following all this? Or we like that? Because we are going together to find out, please, 
find out for ourselves, you know, not at the behest of another, not with this stimulated by another, not encouraged by another, but find out for oneself totally, completely, which is not egotistic, so that one can be a light to oneself. Right? Are we together in this? Not agreeing, not being cornered in a tent and therefore you are forced to agree, or stimulated by the speaker with his intensity, if you are, then it's just a, a flame that can be blown out by the next wind. So, having said all this, is your mind Your mind being your brain, your senses, the quality of thinking, knowing its limitation, being prepared not prepare, I won't use that word, prepare, preparation implies time. That's one of our pet theories, that we need time to be a light to oneself. Our minds, after listening to all this, even though you are listening for the first time, and it's only you are actually listening for the first time, if you are really paying attention. You know, it's like looking at the sunset or sunrise, the beauty and the extraordinary light is never the same. You can see day after day, day after day, month after month, you never say, well, I've seen it once, it's enough. If we have paid attention to what is being said and what is being said, it is not a repetition. Beauty is never that which is constantly happening. It is always new, the marvellous classical painting 
or if you listen to music, it is new all the time. But our minds get so dulled by words and by the repetition of words you say, I'm bored with it, you have said all that before. But if you listen, there's always something new, like the sunset, like the evening star, like the waters of a river. We are asking you together if our minds and of our hearts, our whole being, senses, the, the quality of the senses which are not divided, you understand? Which are together, and a thought and thinking, knowing that it's limited, fragmented, always of time, and a brain that is the result of millennia conditioned, full of memories, knowledge, experience, like a computer. But of course it's not much more capable than a computer. The brain has invented the computer. But the brain also is active in its, as a computer. So we are saying, oh, the whole of this can with this quality of mind, inquire, or just be in a state of observation. Just to observe, without the observer, because the observer is the past, the observer is the result of all the experience, senses, responses, reactions, memories. He is there to observe without the observer. So there is only pure observation, not distorted, not broken up, not the result of choice, like, you know, just to observe. Then, in that state of pure observation, is there 
one act, one insight, one total perception of something that will resolve all these problems. You've understood? There is a careful. The speaker says there is. You know nothing about it, naturally. If you are aware of it, you wouldn't be here. The speaker says. And please listen carefully. It is not authority. It is not the result of experience. It is not the result of accumulated knowledge. It's none of that. The speaker says there is a solution a way out of all this terrible confusion and misery and fear, torture and terror. Right? So don't accept it. Where are you at the end of this? Please, I'm asking this, the speaker asking this very seriously. We've talked for 20 minutes, an hour, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. At the end of it, what is the quality of your mind that is capable, please listen, capable of receiving something? You say yes. And the yes is your own discovery, your own light, your own total attention which you have given to find this out. The fourth extract is from the seventh talk in Sanin, 1976, titled When You Are a Light to Yourself, You Are a Light to the World. I am not telling you how to meditate. That is too silly, because that is too infantile. Because one of the first things that one must be free is to be completely a light to oneself. You understand? A light to oneself. And this light cannot be given by another. Or can you light it in the candle of another? 
if you light it at the candle of another, it's just a candle. It can be blown out. But whereas, if we could find out what it means to be a light to oneself, then that very investigation of it is partly meditation. So we are going together, investigate first what it means to be a light to oneself and see how extraordinarily important it is to have this light. We are so accustomed, and our conditioning is, to accept authority. The authority of the priest, the authority of a book, the authority of a guru, the authority of someone who says he knows, and so on. In all spiritual matters, if I may use that word, spiritual, in all those matters there, there must be and there should be no authority whatsoever, because otherwise you can't be free. You can't be free to investigate, to find out for yourself what meditation means. So, if you are really deeply interested in this question, because this question, the meditation, not how to meditate, that is again too childish, but the movement of meditation, the act of meditation, the flow of meditation, to discover what it means, authority, that is, to find out from another what and how to meditate, is one of the questions of authority. Where there is authority, there can be no freedom, either in the tyrannical world, in the dictatorship, the totalitarian state, there is no freedom. In the same way, if there is no freedom from authority, that is, the word authority means one who originates something, the author, the word comes from the word author, the one who begins something, originates something, and the rest of it, rest of the people follow it, make it into an authority, and then it is dead. So one must be very careful, if you really want to go into this question of meditation, to be completely, wholly, inwardly be free from all authority, from all comparison. I don't know if you can do it, including that of the speaker. 
especially that of the speaker. That is me. Because if you follow what he says, you it's finished. Therefore, one must be extremely aware of the importance of authority in one direction, that is, the doctor, the scientist, the man who, all the rest of it, and understand the total unimportance of authority inwardly, whether it is the authority of another, which is fairly easy to throw off, or whether it is the authority of your own experience, knowledge, conclusion, which becomes your authority, which then becomes your prejudice. So one must be equally free from the authority of another, and also one must be free from conclusions, which becomes one's own authority, from one's own experience. We shall you go into that word experience presently. From one's, one's own understanding. I understand, therefore I am right. All that is, those are forms of authority. You understand how difficult this is going to be if you really want to go into this extraordinary complex question. Otherwise, you can never be free from, never be a light to yourself. When you are a light to yourself, you are a light to the world. Because the world is you and you are the world. I wonder if you see that. So, that's the first thing to understand. That there is no one to guide you, no one to tell you that you are progressing, no one to tell you that or encourage you. You have to stand completely alone in meditation. Hmm. You understand what it means? And you can, and this light can only come to yourself when you understand or investigate into yourself what you are, that is self-awareness, to know what you are, not according to psychologists, not according to some philosophers, not according to the speaker, but to know, to be aware of your own nature, of your own structure, of, of your own thinking, feeling. Find out the whole structure of it. Therefore, Self-knowing becomes extraordinarily important, not 
the description given by another, but the actually what is, what you are, not what you think you are, or what you think you should be, but what actually is going on. You know how difficult that is? Have you ever tried it? To be aware actually what, you, what, what is taking place inside, inside the skin, as it were. Because we are, we observe through the knowledge of the past, right? Through what you have acquired as an experience or what you have gathered from another, with that knowledge you examine. Therefore, you are examining yourself from the background of the past. Therefore, you are not actually observing what is. So there must be freedom to observe. And then, in that observation, the whole structure and the nature of oneself begins to unroll. You are following all this? Please give, for this morning at least, an hour's attention. Because very few people will tell you all this, because they have self-interest, they want to form organisations, groups, you follow the whole structure of that business. So please, if you don't mind, give your complete attention to what is being said. So to understand oneself, there must be observation, and that observation can only take place now. And the now is not the movement of the past which observes the now. See the difference? I can observe the now from the past, from my past conclusions, prejudices, hopes, fears and all the rest of it, which is the observation of, from the past, of the present, and think I am observing the now. But the observation of the now can only take place when there is no observer who is the past. You understand this? So you have so observation of the now becomes extraordinarily important. Which, as we said the other day, the movement of the past meeting the present must end there. That is the now. But if you allow it to go on, then the now becomes the future or the past, but never the actual now. I hope you understand all this. So, 
observation can only take place in the now, in the very doing of it. When you are angry, when you are greedy, to observe it as it is, which means not to condemn it, not to judge it, but to watch it and let it flower and disappear. You understand the beauty of it? Huh? You know? Oh, come on! We are accustomed to, or traditionally, we are educated to suppress or to move it in a certain direction. What we are saying is to observe your anger, greed, your sexual demands, whatever it is, so, and to observe without the past, so that the anger flowers and disappears, withers away. And when you do that, you will never be angry again. I don't know if you have ever done these things, but do it sometime, and you will discover it for yourself. To allow, through observation, in which there is no choice, just to observe your greed, your envy, your jealousy, whatever it be, and in the very observation of it, it is flowering and undergoing a radical change. The scientists are saying too that when you examine through a microscope, the very act of observation of the cell or what undergoes a change. You, un- you understand this? The very observation without the background brings about a change. You understand? Mm. So, to be a ab- to be aware of oneself without any choice and to see what is actually happening in the now is to allow the whole movement of the self, the me, to unflower, to flower, and as you observe, it undergoes a radical transformation. If there is no background, if there is no Observer, who is the background? You've got this somewhat. I've understood it, sir. Good, go at it. So, in doing that, obviously, authority has no place. The man who says, I know, I will, I will do this or do that, that is out completely, forever. So there is no intermediary between your observation and truth, which we are going to find out presently what truth is, if it can at all be described. So, 
In doing that, one becomes a light to oneself, so that you don't ask anybody at any time how to do something. In the very doing, which is the observing, there is the act, there is the change. So, that's the first thing to learn, because we are learning. First thing to learn that one has to be a light to oneself, and it is extraordinarily difficult to resist the tradition that you must be guided. You understand? That's why gurus from India are multiplying like ugly mushrooms all over the world. Please, sorry, I'm. Because they are really bringing old tradition and putting it into different words and offering it. It is the old. In India it's going on for thousands of years. I've seen many of the so-called top gurus have come to see me. And they live with great respect, but they go on their own way. So, freedom to observe, and therefore no authority of any kind, is essential. The final extract in this episode is from the fourth talk in Amsterdam, 1968, titled In the Light of Silence. Meditation is the understanding of life which is to bring about order. Order is virtue which is light, which is not to be lit by another however experienced, however clever, however erudite, however spiritual, nobody on earth or in heaven can like that, except yourself, you know, your own understanding and meditation. And to die to everything within oneself, for love is innocent and fresh, young, unclear. Then, if you have established this order, this virtue, this beauty, this light in oneself, then one can go beyond, which means then the mind, having laid order, which is not a thought, then the mind becomes utterly quiet, silent, naturally, without any force, without any discipline. And in the light of that silence, 
all action can take place, the daily living from that silence. And if one has, or if one were lucky enough to have gone that far, then in that silence there is quite a different movement. which is not of time, which is not of word, which is not measurable by thought, which is always new. It is that immeasurable something that man has everlastingly sought. But you have to come upon it. It cannot be given to you. This is not the word, not the symbol. Those are destructive. But to come, for it to come, you must have complete order, beauty, love, and therefore you must die to everything that you know in your psychologically, so that your mind is clear, not tortured, so that it sees things as they are, both outwardly and inwardly.